This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello, this is Football Social Daily, the daily Premier League podcast. Although today it's all about the FA Cup. Loads of top flight teams involved in fifth round action. Manchester United through to the quarterfinals after their win over West Ham last night. We'll get onto that very shortly. We've also got Man City, Spurs, Everton, Leicester, Brighton and Sheffield United all in action in the FA Cup tonight. So we're going to look ahead to those games on today's podcast too. I'm Jim Salverson. Ian Brennan on the pod this morning. How do Ian? Hello, welcome, thank you. You've been stealing shopping trolleys in Asda this morning? Uh, now then, I have not been stealing shopping trolleys. I shared a picture of a shopping trolley in a snowy back lane here in Sunderland. Not sure how it got there, uh, but yeah, I've been sledging prior to previous. In a shopping so, um, trolley? Yeah, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's how it's done around here. That's Is that how... Sunderland sledging, Ian? Yeah. <laughs> Yep, that's it. It's, it's, it's how kids are brought up. And that other voice you just heard, that's Matt Pitt. How you doing, Matt? Okay? How you doing, boys? Yeah, I'm sound, thank you. Any sledging where you are? Um, not where I am, no. It's not um, It's not quite as snowy as uh, where Ian is. It's actually quite sunny. Yeah. It's like Costa del Ashton. Oh, very nice. <laughs> right, those two gents are going to be tackling some of your questions later as well. We're bringing back AQA, all questions answered. It's been a while since we've done it, but at the end of the pod, we're going to be tackling some of your Premier League quandaries. We'll get onto that shortly. But first, let's talk about last night's game, shall we? <laughs> Manchester United taking 97 minutes to find a way past West Ham in a game that saw a grand total of six shots on target during the 120 minutes that was played. It was Manchester United 1, West Ham United 0. United through to the quarterfinals, West Ham out. Did either team deserve to win that game, Matt? Well, apart from... Fabianski's save in the first half, um, Rash- and he made a good save in the second half against Rashford. Um, no, it was pretty even, Stephen. Really, like pretty much the only difference between the two teams was obviously McTominay, you know, being in the right place at the right time, which he has done on a couple of occasions this season. He seems to be growing into a decent player, McTominay. Mm. He's like um, Darren Fletcher 2.0. Like you know, he has a, he has a little he has a little bit more Harsh. about him. <laughs> Well, yeah, but Darren, Darren Fletcher wasn't that bad of a player. No, he, he was a utility player at United, but McTominay, he seems just to have that little bit more of a elegance in his play. He seems to 
have that little bit more of a goal scoring eye. No, it was definitely um, not one for the memories last night. I mean, you could see like Ian Wright and um, Gary Lineker and Shearer, you know, just freezing. Mm. Couldn't wait to go home. Um, it was never going to be an easy game that last night for for either side because West Ham, obviously, as you know, Jim, are playing pretty decent yeah. at the moment. United, they're not, they're not doing too bad. You know, they're uh, the second in the league. Or, well, they was joint top, you know, as they kept on saying. But obviously, we've uh, <laughs> we've got away from a little bit now. But no, it was um, it was just one of them last night. You know, not one for the memory. But United ultimately just had that little bit of a um, little bit of luck when they needed it, and um, yeah, they got the job done. I think Matt's being quite generous saying it was even Stevens there, Ian, because for me, I think <laughs> I think United probably had the best of it, and for West Ham, it seemed to be a soak up the pressure and see if we can nick something on the break job for a large part of the game. The fact that they were trying to nick something on the break was hampered by the fact they didn't have a striker playing. Mikel Antonio suffering with fatigue, couldn't make the FA Cup game. He is the only uh, senior striker in West Ham's team at the moment. And I guess last night was part of them paying the price for failing to bring in another attacking option in the January window. Yeah, and it shows that um, they were struggling up front. Um, It's quite evident by the fact that I think... Even Gary Lineker was quite bored um, standing there watching that and uh, seemed quite relieved to be uh, that it was all over and he could go home at the end of it. Um, they managed three shots uh, against uh, Manchester United in that match, which is um, the fewest by a team in an FA Cup match that's gone to extra time for quite some time since there 2016. Is Ian, always with the brilliant yeah, stats. Got it, what you see. But it's. Yeah, stat stat attack. I know you know it's it's, it's just my crutch. Um, but um, you know, so to put it in context, West Ham have, <laughs> have been the uh, least potent FA Cup team for the last five years uh, wow. in that match last night, which is um, which is quite something. Mm-hmm. And then in the ninety eighth minute, he sticks Ben Rama on, and I know he's not an out and out striker, but he's a he's a bit of an attacking threat, isn't he? And it just seemed, I mean, you know, I think the the commentators last night were a little bit confused by that as well as to why now you would try and and attack once you've got to the 98th minute. It's sort of horse and bolted sort of syndrome. But I know we've been talking about West Ham earlier in the season and how, you know, the players that were departing uh, West Ham all seemed to be attackers and and weren't particularly being replaced. And yeah, like you say, the the results speak for themselves, really. They weren't getting any shots away, but then they ain't got any attackers. So. For me, I kind of get the way David Moyes approached that game. And there's already been a lot of criticism on social media from West Ham fans saying Manchester United were there for the taking. They're not the same team that they were back in the 90s, which all of which is true. And it's a very similar narrative to the one when West Ham lost to Liverpool a couple of weeks ago. The fact that it was a defensive display. It was a defensive performance. The, the lineup was much more conservative than we've maybe seen in recent weeks against the likes of Aston Villa and Fulham. But at the same time, I kind of understand that it is a thin squad. Players do need to be rested. There does need to be an element of rotation. And those attacking players simply aren't there. And you do need to be cautious of a team like Manchester United because Definitely. they have that ability in the, the team. And we saw Bruno Fernandes coming off the bench. West Ham don't have Bruno Fernandes to bring off the bench. It's not an even fight. So they have to be conservative to a certain extent. One of the players I was interested to watch last night for the opposition for me was Donny van der Beek, who we've seen in the stands a lot at Old Trafford. We've not seen him get on the pitch very much. And there has been a bit of a clamour since he signed from Ajax to, to get him on, to see what he can do. He got the opportunity last night, Matt. Did he take it? No. 
No, he didn't. He he looked um, he looked like a player that's not had a consistent run of games, which is he's mm. he's not had. We've seen his ability for Ajax, especially in the uh, the Champions League, in some really big games. He seems to be one of them really intelligent midfielders that just gets himself in the box and just knows where to be. And when you are a player and you've come with um, a big reputation, a big price tag, it's it come it comes with um, a lot of pressure, and you know. He's not had the consistent run of games, like I mentioned. So I don't know how, like, because I've seen a few United fans moaning on Twitter last night. He wasn't doing the simple things right. He wasn't doing this and he wasn't doing that. You can't expect a guy that's not had a consistent run of games, who's built up no form whatsoever, to be able to come into a game like that and just have an instant impact. It just does not happen. I don't Mm. care if you're the best player in the world at the time and stuff like that. It's, it just does not happen. Would Van you like to see a... him show more ambition with the way he was playing, though? Because, I mean, if you watch the commentary on the BBC, I don't know who was on co-commentary. It might have been Trevor Sinclair, actually. But he was, he was saying that the ball was... He wasn't he wasn't trying anything. He wasn't attempting to add that spark. Yeah, he was tentative. It was tentative, the way he was playing. But that's just a player with no confidence that I see right mm. there. Maybe he's not doing something right in training. Maybe... Because we obviously don't see what goes on at Carrington with Solskjaer and the lads, we don't see that. So maybe there's just maybe like a clash of styles between him and Solskjaer. Maybe he's just not happy with the players that he's got around him. Maybe he needs a little bit more quality because we know Fernandez is a quality player and obviously Pogba is a quality player as well. But for me, like they're United's two most creative players, and if he's not on the same wavelength with the rest of the players around him, then he's he is going to struggle. And it's a completely different way of football to where Ajax was playing because Ajax was playing like the um, the old like Johan Cruyff total football type yeah. of thing. But now when you look at United, United are very conservative with their play. They like to catch teams out on the counter-attack. You know, they don't really push too many men forward. You know, they have um, Rashford, you know, Greenwood, Martial usually is um, front three and Cavani as well, who's a decent centre-forward. Maybe, no, I, I just think there's something else that, there that's um, going on behind the scenes with Van Der Beek. He's, you don't just turn into a bad player overnight. You don't at all. And maybe he just needs a consistent run of games, but maybe his style of football doesn't suit Man United's. I think for West Ham, there are probably concerns last night that go beyond being knocked out of the FA Cup. In particular, will be potential defensive worries going forward for the rest of the season. Ogbonga went off injured very early doors after a clash with Martial. Don't know how long he's going to be out for, but he'll be a massive miss for West Ham at the back. He's been potentially one of the players of the season so far in David Moyes' side. The other defender that went off at half-time was Issa Diop, who had a clash of heads with... Martial as well, I think it was Martial they, they had a clash of heads with. Um, and he went off at half-time as the first ever concussion substitution. Potential pub quiz question there for the future. It's, yeah. it's, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that's been needed in football for a long time, isn't it, Ian? The fact that we need to deal with concussion, which is a serious injury. So it's good to see some progress in that area. Yeah, it's long overdue, and and we keep hearing of um, older players, and you know, most recently, I suppose um, Jack Charlton would be an example. Jeff Astle, and I know this is not to do with concussion, but how heading the ball and head injuries um, earlier in your career can mm. really contribute to se- serious health problems later in life. And of course, with a head injury on the pitch, um, one of the symptoms of concussion is the fact that you that you feel all right. You know, you, you, you're convinced to carry on. Your your body kind of tells you that you need to battle on. It's like a survival instinct. And so when somebody asks you, how do you feel? 
you go, yeah, I feel fine, I feel fine. But that is actually one of the symptoms of concussion. Mm. And then later it can lead to, you know, severe problems and, you know, really, really bad things can happen. Not so much after one concussion, but if you then go on and something else happens later in the game, it can cause, you know, severe um, life-changing injuries. I know of, of a, a couple of people from, from another sport um, that I follow, which is Speedway, who there was one guy who had a concussion and then a couple of weeks later he fell off. And he was, well, he's in a wheelchair and severely disabled now. And that's all as a result of concussion. And it was a nothing bang on the head um, that caused it. But, you know, that's the kind of thing that you're dealing with. It's very, very, very serious. And other sports have been dealing with it, like the NFL have been dealing with this for quite some time. And, um, yeah, long overdue and um, great to see that something's actually been done about it because I think football sometimes can be one of those sports that when you're growing up as a lad or whatever, it's like, oh, get on with it. You know, it's nothing. But... You know, it can be really serious. And also, players do often get treated like commodities. And there is a duty. Mm. That, there yeah. is a duty. It doesn't matter how much you're paid. You still deserve to have a decent life after the game. So it's good Absolutely. to see some tri- some duty of care towards these players. Uh, how do you view the performance last night from a United point of view, Matt? And I know you're a City fan, so it's quite difficult to be even and balanced in this scenario. But it wasn't the most exciting game. But was it professional? Job done? Like there was a third of the team rotated maybe and that was necessary or should Manchester United, given where they are in status as a club, be offering a little bit more against a team like West Ham, particularly a weakened team like West Ham? Well, I think Oli before the game was talking to some journalists and they were saying like, which trophies is he prioritising? And he said, I want to win them all. And that's exactly what Man United fans are going to want to hear because... Mm. United fans still long for the days, you know, when they were tight, uh, challenging for all the titles, challenging for all the trophies. But the reality of the situation is, they just aren't there right now, and that's that. You know, that's that's just the way it is. You know, the the, the behind City at the moment in terms of you know um, on the field, you know, um, on the field players and you know the manager as well with Pep Guardiola is just streets ahead of Oli. But Oli is very inexperienced in terms of that and. You know, he's got a lot of learning to do and he seems to be getting something, you know, more right than wrong at United at the moment because mm. obviously the league the league suggests that and the results are suggesting that and he seems to be getting something out of his plays. He seems to be implementing a little bit of a style and United for a long time didn't have a, an identity. You didn't know United's style, but now, right now they seem to be coming out with this, um, the counter-attacking and it seems to be working for them. Um, last night, yeah, just job done for United. The main thing was... Um, I always put the result above the performance and I'm yep. sure I'm, I'm out of um, footy fans do that. Um, they're, they're through to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. It's another trophy they're challenging for. They've still got the Europa League, which they won quite recently with uh, Jose Mourinho. And they've got a good chance of winning that. I don't think the Premier League is going to be there for them. That's just me talking way City are playing at the moment. I just can't see us slipping up. And this is a, a City fan that's um, talking from experience of seeing... City being the team that builds you up to let you down constantly, <laughs> but right now we just seem to be a different beast. We seem to just be on this, um, just on this this runaway mode at the moment where we go to Anfield and slap put four past Liverpool. You know, which I've I've last time I seen City beat Liverpool, I was twelve at Anfield. I was twelve years old and I was drinking coke in a in a pub filled with City fans. <laughs> um, to put into context, and United United will be there and thereabouts in terms of. Um, challenging for the top top four, maybe they'll get second place, and I think they'll consolidate from that. I, I reckon a lot of United fans will take that now. No, they've they've just got to they've just got to play it game by game. Man United, they can't get too ahead of themselves. They've just got to um, 
take each result as they come and go from there. I think an FA Cup victory will be seen as a definite successful season this year for Manchester yeah. United. But they are through to the quarterfinals. It wouldn't be very different if Pablo Fornells was capable of passing the ball five yards to one of his own players. But other than that, it wasn't to be last night and West Ham are out. Who's going to be joining Manchester United in the next round of the FA Cup? We'll discuss that next as we look at tonight's FA Cup games on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. To hear the latest Premier League news for your team, just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. There's loads of games to go at tonight. Four games involving Premier League opposition. We're going to rattle through these as quick as we can. Try and give a little flavour of each tie, starting at Swansea City versus Manchester City. Now, we'll let you go first on this one, Matt, because Swansea are no pushovers, but Manchester City are Manchester City. (laughs) Is there any potential FA Cup upset here, or does it look like straight through to the quarterfinals again? No, um, Swansea and all pushovers, like you just said. I've been doing a little bit of uh, research on what Swansea. They've not lost since uh, December the 16th against Derby County. And the manager, Steve Cooper, he seems to be getting some some of the best football out of them. You know, they've got um, Andre Ayew, who's a decent striker. He's he's scoring goals. They've got Lowe scoring goals for them. The third in the table as well in the Championship. Mm. And they're not there for no reason. We all know how difficult a league the Championship is and where you are. You're there on merit. So I'm not taking tonight lightly whatsoever, even though we've just come off the back of a great result against Liverpool. Any FA Cup tie against lower league opposition, it's always a free hit for them. They've got nothing to lose. They've got everything to gain, nothing to lose. But Pep Guardiola, he loves the FA Cup. He plays pretty much the strongest team he possibly can in any of these games. Um, he wants to win every trophy that he plays in. Like I've just said, he, he he's he's not going to um, he's not going to underestimate these tonight. Not by any stretch of the imagination. City, the obviously on the run of form that they're on. I, I can't see us. I can't see us losing. But I'm always wary of these types of games. I'm always wary. I don't I don't take these games for granted. I don't go into them thinking, oh, we're going to win three or four. Now it's going to be a, a walk in the park. No, I expect a difficult game tonight. Swansea are playing at home, and even though there's no fans. You know, sometimes the players they like to play on their own patch. You know, and you know it's it's not going to be it's not going to be an easy game at all. I would love us to go in there and just you know put it to bed early, but I can't see I can't see that happening tonight. I can see Swansea giving us um, giving us a bit of a rough time. What do you think, Ian, from a neutral perspective? Then, because I can't see anything but a City win. Pep said that he's going to name a strong side, but. I mean, with the squad Manchester City have got, with the size of the squad and the depth of quality, they could name a completely different eleven to have played at the weekend, and it's still an incredibly strong side. It's it's one thing saying Swansea are doing well in the Championship, but it's another thing to say you expect them to beat Manchester City, even though City kind of do have this reputation of occasionally slipping up to lower league opposition in the FA Cup. Yeah, reading between the lines, I think Pep is going to make quite a few changes. Um, but as you say, when, when you're making changes at Manchester City, they're uh, they're probably different from from many other clubs. I think the only thing I would say is that this uh, does have a a cup final kind of feel to it, as far as Swansea are concerned. Mm. That you know they're not going to get the chance to play Man City uh, regularly at the moment. They may do next season if uh, they keep going as they are in the championship. I know from um, experience of, um, well, when Leeds were in the championship uh, back in those crazy 16 years ago uh, days uh, of this, um, 
that Swansea always been a very dangerous team. They're a very strong team. If Swansea put out a full strength team, they're fired up for it. And Man City are a little bit kind of, you know, treating it as a bit of a walk in the park, almost like a formality. Then I think Swansea could do them over. They're, they're a very strong side. They're, they're a very attacking side. They'll certainly take the game to Man City. That's for sure. I don't expect that it's going to be a park the bus kind of job. Um, they're going to be dangerous. Man City are going to have to be on it. It's, it's not. It's not. Um, it's not a foregone conclusion by any stretch of the imagination. I think Swansea will be really fired up for it, and say they, uh, they're trouble. I think they were probably one of the best teams that certainly Leeds played against last season. I'm surprised that they, they didn't um, actually manage to go up last season through the playoffs or whatever. Um, they're a really good team. I don't want to write off Swansea's chances by any stretch, but I find it weird that no one's talking about quadruples or trebles this season yeah. Matt because it seems to be a constant thing that follows Manchester City around that they're expected to win more than one trophy but when I look at it I go this is probably one of their best chances to do that because they're better suited than many other teams to cope with the fixture congestion at the moment they're obviously in the League Cup final FA Cup so they're in the fifth round topping the league at the moment doing all right in the Champions League it's not out of the question, is it, that this could be a three or four trophy season? I'm not going to fall for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you get um, you get a lot of these uh, journalists firing them questions at Guardiola, and he's just like he's just like me, just play it one game at a time. I'm sorry to bore you on that one, but um, no, I remember in the 18-19 season, you know, when we won the uh, domestic treble, and obviously we went out to Spurs in rather un- unfortunate circumstances. That was as close as I've ever seen us to get to that, you know, quadruple status. It's it's something that no team has been able to achieve and there's a reason behind that. And and even though this season is like no other, this season's a very, very strange season and it's um it's looking at the moment like, you know, we could walk walk away with another domestic treble. We've got to get past Swansea tonight and we've got to beat Spurs at Wembley. Spurs aren't gonna be an easy team to beat there. I'm a, I'm a pessimist me when it comes to Man City because that's just the way I am. That's just what I've seen growing up as a kid. You know, I never dream, dreamt that I'd ever see my team in this sort of position before, challenging for every single trophy possible. And we've got Gladbach as well in the Champions League. Mm. Gladbach are doing pretty well in Germany at the moment. Marco Rose has got him got him playing some decent football. They've got a lot of quality on the pitch. You know, so I, I'm just one of these, Jim. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to get drawn into that. I'm just going to say, you know, look, just one game at a time. We beat Swansea tonight. Great, we're in the quarterfinals. We'll go from there. You know, we win our next Premier League game. Go from there, and so on and so forth. Um, it'd be absolutely amazing if we could do that because it'd one up United's, you know, treble '99 season. But then there'd be the argument, oh well, they've done it in a season where there's no fans and stuff like that. Because he heard some journalists from the Liverpool Echo and stuff like that saying City wouldn't have done that at Anfield if there would have been fans there. They wouldn't have allowed it. Like you know, it's just these are the excuses that are gonna get thrown around. But if we do win um, the, more than one trophy this season, I'll just be happy with that. Let's move on to, oh, instantly, by the way, in terms of Manchester City's chances tonight, they've won 18 of 21 FA Cup ties since Pep Guardiola's been in charge. In that time, they have scored 65 goals in those games. That's an average of 3.6 goals scored every single game in the FA Cup. <laughs> he loves the FA Cup Guardiola. He's already said this. It's one of his favourite trophies. He's had. I think it's because of the tradition behind it. He yeah. respects it that much. So he, he, he wants to win that every single season. So I mean, it points to a goal glut tonight. So it's no doubt going to end a nil-nil. Uh, Leicester yeah. <laughs> City versus Brighton. Let's talk about that one next. Tough call for Brendan Rodgers this one, Ian, because we know how congested the fixture list is. We've talked about it lots already. Leicester don't have the biggest squad in the world. They're doing all right in the league at the moment. Very slim chance that they'll win it, but 
but certainly Champions League's an option. Does he go for the FA Cup? Does he rest players? Does he focus on the league? How would you play this if you're Brendan Rodgers? Does the, um, I'm just thinking out loud here, does the FA Cup still have, um, does it have a Champions League spot still if you if you win it? I think it's Europa League. Yeah, I think Is it's that Europa, Europa League. Yeah. Uh, well, no yeah, doubt be corrected think... very quickly if we're wrong, but I think it's Europa. Yeah, no, I just, I, I don't know why that thought just came to me. I thought, because if, 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 if that was a prize, obviously I think you'd see teams really going for it, wouldn't you? But mm. um, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think he will go for it in a measured fashion in a Brendan Rodgers-style fashion. I think it won't be a complete sort of set of reserves going out there. It'll still be a strong team. Jamie Vardy is um, is set to play, uh, I read earlier, so he's going to be featuring in, yeah. in the match. So I think it'll be a, a chance for some of those players who probably regularly are on, on the bench uh, getting a starting role and a few others rested, but I don't see any wholesale changes. I think it'll still be a, a pretty strong side. Um, but yeah, I think I think... You know, it, it makes sense to go for it and respect the competition. I think Brendan Rodgers, being a, a British manager, fully understands the importance of the FA Cup. I don't think he's going to devalue it in any way. Um, and I think still the FA Cup is a great competition to be part of if you can get to the, the final stages as they're closing in on. But like you say, they're not going to do anything too rash because there's still a lot to play for in the league. Championship probably, as you say, out of out of reach, but... Um, certainly European places are there to play for and uh, that ball is, is firmly in their court at the minute. So um, I think it'll be a nice run out for those players who have been bit part, uh, you know, like Jamie Vardy's been out injured and stuff. So it'd be good to get him back on the pitch and uh, I think it'll be a, still a, a strong Leicester team. As you say, Jamie Vardy back. He had a hernia operation, but he appeared as a substitute at the weekend, likely to start against Brighton. Danny Welbeck likely to start, start for Brighton as well. Which kind of makes me think about the tale of these two strikers a little bit. Because you go back to 2008 and Welbeck made his debut for Manchester United. They beat Borough 3-1 in the League Cup on his debut. And he obviously went on to move to the likes of Arsenal. We said, no, his career's panned out. At that point in 2008, Vardy was still playing for Stockbridge Park Steel. It was before even his move to Fleetwood. And we know what's happened to them both since. Welbeck's 30, Vardy's 34... If you were looking at it from the outside in, who had the better career, Matt? I mean, I think it's easy to say that at the moment, whose stock's higher. Clearly, Vardy's stock is higher than Danny Welbeck's. But when you look back at where they've played and what they've done, who do you think probably edges it? Well, um, it's a tough one, that really, because when you look when you look back there, obviously the most promising career there was Danny Welbeck. You know, yeah. he, was a, he was a United buy there and he come in playing under a, a great side at United in the... Um, 08-09 season, which is one of United's strongest sides ever, you know, when he had likes, you know, like Rooney, Ronaldo and stuff like that. And he come in and he scored, he scored some pretty important goals for him in, in some pretty big games. I remember him scoring a, a decent goal against City in the FA Cup um, a few years back when he, uh, I think he beat us 3-2. Um, and he just had some really, like, really unlucky injuries. That was it. That was the only thing for me with Danny Welby. He was just really unlucky with injuries. When he played for England, he always seemed to score when he played for England. And I'm not saying Danny Welbeck's been a, a bad player or anything like that. It's just it's just the injury thing that's that's done it for him. He's played at some big clubs. You know, he's obviously he's been at you know Arsenal as well. He he was unlucky there, but he again he he scored in some pretty big games for them. It's just never it's quite a, happened, has it? No, it's, it's not. It, it, it's been a lucky. He's been really unlucky. He's played at Watford. He's now playing at Brighton and. You know, he's he, like I say, he's, he's only thirty, isn't he? and he's still got you know some some years ahead of him. I just hope for his sake that he can just get a decent run of farm going and stay injury free. 
you know, because even though like he's a United fan and stuff like that, and he's come from there, you know, I don't wish any player like to have sort of a stop start career. You know, he's he 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 deserves he deserves more than most to have um, a bit of um, luck in front of goal mm. and um, a good run of form in a side. Interestingly, he's got a better goals per game ratio playing for England than he has at any club he's yeah, ever played yeah, for. Yeah, definitely. Um, as for Brighton, they've improved a lot of late. I mean, since Graham Potter had his haircut, he got that really cool mod cut and suddenly their form has improved. They started scoring goals. Obviously, that is key to Brighton's success. But this game is going to be more competitive than maybe the league positions suggests, isn't it, Ian? Yeah, um, I think it's both teams are going to put out fairly strong sides. It's going to be very much like a, a Premier League encounter. Uh, there's no real mismatch uh, here. Um, Brighton on a bit of a, a run of form at the moment, though, as well. Unbeaten in their last four away FA Cup games. They've, uh, they've won two and drawn two. And um, this is like their best run in the FA Cup for quite some time, I think, uh, Brighton. So they'll be wanting to keep that going. Um, I think that um, it is going to be a, a pretty close and probably one of the best matches of the, of the pick tonight actually I think um, you know they're fairly uh, equally matched mm. and um, th- there's going to be quite a lot to play for and, and you know Brighton haven't had the best of times in the in the Premier League and um, you know to they've gotten really nothing to play for in the Premier League apart from staying up so um, they've got nothing to lose in the FA Cup have they in terms of going for it Ian's picking that as the t- the tie of the round probably at the other end of the scale sorry Sheffield United and Bristol fans is Bristol City's game against the Blades now City or fancy this one, I think, Matt. There's If there's a game from this lot that you can go, that's likely to be the upset. It kind of feels that it could be Bristol City versus Sheffield United, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, before they got beat against Chelsea over weekend, Sheffield United was like on a little bit of resurgence. You know, mm. Chrissy Wilder was coming out in the the, uh, the press conferences swinging, saying that we're not giving up, we're going to uh, we're gonna keep fighting. And, you know, everyone had wrote Sheffield United. I think me, myself included, but then he got um, a good couple of results there, and you know it's, it's funny. It's very isn't it? tough to see him staying up still. Of course it is, yeah, absolutely. But they've given themselves more of a fighting chance. This is what Wilder was saying. We've we've given ourselves a fighting chance now, and we're gonna we're gonna make make the most of what we can. But this again tonight, it's like I was saying about Swansea and City before. It's a free hit for Bristol City there. You know, they've they've just come off a bad result there against Chelsea, Sheffield United. I don't know what Bristol City's run of form is at the moment, but um, Bristol City, you know, they can go there tonight. You know. Just nothing to lose. Go and um, take a big Premier League scalp, and you know they can get themselves even more importantly into the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. I don't know when the last time Bristol City did that. Probably Ian has a stat waiting for me now. Um, <laughs> oh, hang on. Yeah, go on. When was the last time Bristol City got to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup? I certainly can't remember. So that could be a big thing for them. You know that could be a. a it's obviously an incentive for for most clubs, but mm. for a, a club like Bristol City, you know it can even even be um, an even bigger incentive. But um, Sheffield United have also got you know this you know the FA Cup to fight for. Imagine if they got to the FA Cup final, ended up winning it, and then ended up going down. Do you know what I mean? It was um, mm. it's it's these 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 little things like that can just spur you on. It could turn what would be a disastrous season for Sheffield United into a slightly less disastrous season. Mm. Bristol City's form not the best at the moment, by the way. They started off really well in the Championship. They've slipped uh, since the turn of the year. They're now 10th in the Championship. So by no means down in the doldrums, but probably not the form they had early on in the season. Matt makes an interesting point there about kind of relegation versus cup success. Chris Wilder said in his pre-match, and he said, an opportunity for us to progress in the quarterfinals is something we don't want to turn down so clearly he's got a focus on the FA Cup if you're a Blades fan and I think for the likes of you and me as a Leeds and a West Ham fan it's kind of quite 
relatively easy to to put ourselves in this position. But if you're a Blades fan, do you take relegation and that day at Wembley, not necessarily winning the FA Cup, but that day out at Wembley, if it means you get that moment of glory, but you have to be relegated at the same time? And obviously, it's not as cut and dry as that. But is that that one day, that moment of celebration worth potentially slipping out of the Premier League? Well, from the Blades fans that I do know, um, I would say absolutely that they would rather be in the Premier League. Um, okay. I'm, I'm 100% sure of that. Um, it, it is a it is a big day out, but after your day out's finished, if you get stuffed by Man City at the end of it, it doesn't really show much for you for the rest <laughs> of your future, does it? Because that's inevitably how it's probably going to end for whoever does get to the, uh, to the I final. Yeah, I mean, I've I remember Sunderland got to the League Cup um, final, and and that was a similar sort of situation. They were fighting for their lives at the bottom of the Premier League, and we had this great day out. Um, met Manchester City in the final at Wembley. The place was packed. Um, within about ten minutes, Sunderland were a goal down, and it was a very long journey back. Mm. And then they go and get relegated, and you think, yeah, you'd rather have Premier League football and watch your team on match of the day every Saturday. I think that is an under. Um, underappreciated thing of being in the Premier League, just the, the convenience of being able to see your team on the telly more often than not, you know, all these kind of things. And, of course, the financial aspect that comes with being in the Premier League, absolutely being in the Premier League is is definitely the most important thing. But don't get me wrong, it's a nice day out. Ideally, you want to have both, don't you? You want to yeah. get to the, the final of the FA Cup and still stay in the, in the Premier League, which is um, Chris Wilder's biggest fight. But... I do know that Chris Wilder really loves a night out in Bristol. Okay. <laughs> wow, that's a that's, that's a, a great stat. That's a great stat. Yeah. Best not, one of the day. Not sure that's even a stat. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. You're... Well, I, yeah. I've I've alluded to the time he borrowed the yellow pages from my hotel room, but we'll just leave it at that. Was that in Bristol? Was it? Yeah. Okay. I was say we're getting a little bit more information about this. Story yeah, yeah. It's a night out podcast. You'll yeah, it was the. Uh, yeah, it was the playoff final. Was it two thousand two, two thousand three? When Sheffield United played um, Wolves at Cardiff, mm. uh, when they were building the new Wembley, and um, he was a co-commentator because I was involved in doing a commentary for it, and he was uh, he was a co-commentator, and he came and met us in in Bristol and we had a night out with Chris Wilder, and he was the manager of Halifax Town at the time, oh, and no way. all the bars <laughs> shut at half ten, so we had to go back to the hotel, and they wouldn't serve us in the hotel bar, so we had to have drinks in our hotel room. Wow, a little bit more. But next time Ian's on the podcast, we'll get a little bit more of that story and we'll slowly yeah. build up the picture of uh, Ian and Chris Wilder on a night out in Bristol. Exciting times. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, the, the, the end of it's going to have to go behind a paywall, though. Okay, okay. we'll put it on our patron service. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it, the thing is, you, you say you'd rather have both. Chances are Sheffield United are going to get neither this year. That's yeah. the problem, is that there'll be no day at FA Cup and they probably will get relegated. Uh, the final FA Cup game is Everton versus Tottenham, which I feel kind of almost mean doing this, but I'm going to start off talking about this game by talking about Deli Alley, who is likely to get a chance in the Tottenham team for this one. Everyone expected Deli Alley to leave in January. The money was on him going to PSG, but he's been kept at Tottenham because supposedly Jose Mourinho sees him adding value to the squad. So this is exactly the kind of opportunity that he needs to take it now. He needs to make it count because he is at Tottenham for at least another six months, Matt. So he, if he wants to if he wants to have a future, he needs to grab these opportunities with both hands, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I think what Mourinho was saying there about um, Deli Alli adding value to his squad, I think Deli Alli had, had value to him like most squads in the world. You know, he's not, he's not a bad player. 
you know, he's just he's he's just not getting a run in the side. And if he's going to um, start grabbing opportunities with both fans like tonight, he's definitely one of them. It's it's one of them games where he can sort of like stamp his quality on it and go like, look, this is me. This is this is what I want. This is I want to play for Tottenham. I want to be in Tottenham's midfield on a regular basis. You know, I'm going to go and do it. And a, a good side against Everton. You know, if he can do that against them, you know, it will mean that much more because he's they're not they're not playing a lower league opposition. They're not playing. Um, a side that's languishing. They're playing a side that's above them in the league, you know, that's challenging for potential top four with them. So if he's going to go and do it on any night, he has to go and do it tonight. That's obviously if he starts. But I was very surprised that he didn't move. I think me, you and Marley was discussing it, Jim, mm. on the pod a few, few weeks back when we was discussing transfers. And I was I was thinking Deli Alli to PSG all day long. But, you know, maybe he's doing something right in training because I think, I don't know if you lads have seen the... All or Nothing Spurs documentary yeah. on Amazon. Um, Mourinho's... In which Football Social Daily features, by the way. If you've oh, it does, yeah, not yeah. listened to it yet, or not, not watched it, keep an ear out for it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it does. I remember I remember that one coming up. Um, and Mourinho's pet peeve with Deli Alli was his attitude in training. And obviously, if you're not doing it in training, you're not going to go and do it on the pitch You won't because he won't let you. You've got to be able to perform in training and then go and do it on the pitch on a Saturday or a Sunday. So maybe his attitude slightly changed. Mm. In that respect, I hope though, because he's got a lot of quality, Deli Ali, and people talk about him being overhyped too early and stuff like that. But when you're doing the things that Deli Ali was doing at that time, you are going to get overhyped. It's like Phil Foden now, people saying, oh, future Ballon d'Or and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, and Pep Guardiola's telling him now to keep his feet on the ground and not to read things. And, you know, that's probably the way that Deli Ali needed to do things. But maybe he was believing his own hype too much and it sort of come crashing down. But he's definitely got the quality there, Deli Ali. And obviously, for England's sake, I hope he starts performing well because he can be a useful asset in um, international tournaments. Interesting statement from Jose Mourinho with regards to Deli Ali in training. He said in his pre-match press conference, Deli's not injured. He can train with the team. He went through a process of not training and trained with the sports science people and then jumped back to teamwork. He's a Tottenham player and he doesn't go to any place. I mean, it's difficult to know what Jose Mourinho is talking about at the best of times, but then it feels like he's talking about maybe Deli Ali took himself away from the first team to try and force a move during January, which didn't happen. And now he's gone back into the team to kind of integrate back into that first team. So I mean, if he does get a chance, it'll be interesting to see how he reacts to that this evening. But who's this one more important for, Ian? We know Everton, they want to see progression under Angelotti and the investment they've had. Not won a trophy since 1955. It's been a while for Tottenham as well, but not quite that long. But Spurs is a club that feels like it needs a lift at the moment after some really poor displays and some really poor results as well so who goes into this game with more importance put upon it is it Everton or is it Tottenham I think I'd like to see Everton um, have some success they've they've been a, a not a sleeping giant as such because they've been in the Premier League ever since it was uh, founded you know they've never really struggled in the Premier League they've always been a strong team but at the same time they've never really challenged for any league honours certainly in the last 10 years or so and they've always been there or thereabouts but not quite uh, getting anything over the line and, and as you say it's a long time to go without a trophy back from um, 1955 a lot's changed since then and they did come close didn't they in the uh, late 80s early 90s you had those cup finals where it was Liverpool and Everton and it was all about Merseyside for a, for a certain amount of time um, before Man United got going again and um, I think it'd be nice to see Everton doing well they're, they're 
they're a strong team. They have been a, a reasonably uh, they've been a stronger Everton team than I think from the last than the last few years. Tottenham. There's the ongoing joke, isn't it? I don't know if you saw the uh, the, the Super Bowl, but it it came back and surfaced its head again. Where the weekend was doing that thing where he's battling through a maze and not being able to yeah. sort of find his way out, which was the part part of his act. And people saying uh, it's uh, Harry Kane trying to find Tottenham's uh, trophy room. And um, yeah, so it's it's the ongoing joke with Tottenham. Um, they could do with the lift winning the. I don't know if winning the FA Cup um, really balances out for the the lack of success in the league or not, but. Um, I think it'd be nice just to see Everton, you know, um, get somewhere. I think it'd be nice just to see one of those clubs have, a, have another shot. Uh, it sort of feels a little bit like you're, you're buying success in, in terms of what Tottenham are, you know, I don't know, Mourinho in it. I just don't, I just don't want to see. He's just been so miserable lately and I just don't yeah. want to see that rewarded with a trophy. He's back to surly you know? Jose. Uh, we're going to talk more about yeah. Jose Mourinho and Spurs and the balance between FA Cup and Lee's success and performances shortly because it's one of the questions that's come up in our AQAs today. Any question answered? We're going to answer some of the questions from podcast listeners and we'll do it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Find us on Twitter at The Sports Social. Right, welcome back to Football Social Daily. Going to wrap up today's podcast with our AQA section of the show. Any question answered? Three questions that are coming from listeners. We'll get through these, see if we can provide sensible and uh, intelligent answers, which is unlikely, to some of the people's, uh, some of the, the questions that have come in. Let's start with Danny, who sent in a question via Facebook, who says, this is one for you probably, Matt. Does Phil Foden get taken to the Euros? Absolutely. Interesting one. Interesting Absolutely. One. 100%. I didn't even need to, 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 to let you finish there, Jim. Absolutely. He, he needs to go to the Euros. I think off the back of the season, his performances, and he just gives England something different. He just he, he just stands out to any sort of young player at the moment, and especially in English football. He needs, to, um, he needs to go and get that international experience. He probably won't start most games, but if he can come off the bench and make that difference, you know it's gonna um, it's only gonna only benefit him. Um, he's he's playing the best football we've seen him so far. He's playing with the best you know footballers you know at Man City week in week out. Him going to the Euros there that it can only benefit him and um, it can only benefit England as well. Hundred percent, he has to go. Are you on board with that one, Ian? Because there's a fair few midfielders that will be battling for those places. And we can rule out kind of the regulars, the kind of always presence for England, your Dean Hendersons, your Declan Rices. But then you've got Hudson Adoy, who's playing well for Chelsea at the moment. Dean Henderson's a goalkeeper there, Jim. Sorry, not Dean Henderson. <laughs> Although I'd rather see him in midfield probably than uh, Jordan Henderson. <laughs> Hudson Adoy, you've got Jack Grealish, who's obviously tearing up the league at the moment with Aston Villa. Mason Greenwood, I suppose you could probably class him as a as a midfield option or slash striker. I'm certainly one of the more like one of those wide midfielders slash attackers Madison at Leicester City as well there's a lot of competition for midfield so if you're going to take Phil Foden it means you've got to leave out one of those other options yeah I'm not sure who you'd leave out perhaps injuries and things like that may uh, may help uh, make that decision easier come nearer the time Um, I think Phil Foden 
needs to be included absolutely as uh, as Matt said I agree and he's really come into his own this last well not even just this season even in the last few months he's improved so much people are noticing him more now his development is you know really on an upward curve and between now and the Euros um, you know he could be even an even better player and he's really been making a difference for Manchester City we were saying at the start of the season we weren't sure exactly how the season was going to go for Man City they were struggling in a few departments but since Phil Foden's been firing on all cylinders I mean he's he's been one of the main reasons that they've been uh, how they've been and, and on such a strong run over the past you know few months or so and um, and yeah absolutely he needs to be taken and provided he's, he's fit and well and, and all that kind of stuff and he had that bit of a setback didn't he involved in a bit of a an England-based um, scandal uh, yeah. a, l- a little while back, which probably set him back in in the thoughts. And maybe if that hadn't happened, it wouldn't probably maybe we wouldn't even be having this conversation, and he'd already be uh, a nailed on cert. But I think he's kind of redeemed himself now. I think I'd look if I was Gareth Southgate, I'd look at taking maybe just two strikers with me to the Euros because of the way England play, the kind of one focal point up front. Do you need more than maybe Harry Kane and another Dominic Calvert-Lewin? potentially free up those midfield positions because there's no reason with the talent that England have in midfield that they couldn't play with a false nine they couldn't do what Spain did a few years ago and kind of only take one strike they, they, when they took um was it Torres they took to the to the Euros a few years back and when they ended up winning it and it was just the one striker so it'd be I mean I don't think necessarily we need to take three strikers so free up a position there take an extra midfielder yeah, I agree on that one um, right, next question. Paolo Erez via Twitter says, why hasn't David Moyes been offered a new deal yet at West Ham? His contract's up at the end of the year. I've obviously got a view on this one, which we'll get on to shortly. But what do you think then, Ian? Should West Ham be shoring up that David Moyes contract into a long-term deal? Yeah, it looks like that that is going to happen. I think that they've just been waiting to see how things pan out with the world, you know, in <laughs> terms of COVID and and what the situation's going to be. From what I read, um, because we get these questions in advance, which is nice, um, that, that, that they have spoken about the new deal. He hasn't been offered it yet, but they're waiting in, until in the end of the season. I suppose there's always that risk if you offer a manager a, new, a nice new contract now that then maybe he might just take his uh, foot off the gas, mm. try and get himself fired, and then get you know however long the contract's worth in money and sit on a beach somewhere. Uh, obviously, they'll have to quarantine on the way back, but um, <laughs> you know, you know, th- th- there's that kind of risk, isn't there? So I suppose it's a case of wait until the end of the season, see where West Ham finish, uh, and then you can take stock of of where you finished in this current season and and see what's maybe achievable in terms of aims um, for the next year or two in his contract to to, to see where they can um, kick on to. I think that's probably more the thinking. I don't think that they don't value him. I think they're just waiting to see what's and I suppose there's budgets as well isn't there if, if if they know they're not going to be allowed to have fans in for X amount of time that's going to probably influence how much cash they're going to have to splash around the, the club and maybe um, how much pay <laughs> they'll I, have to offer ultimately I actually think this is a rare moment of common sense for the West Ham board which doesn't happen mm. very often but I was going to say you'd have your opinion on uh, what Gordon Sullivan have got to do now <laughs> yeah I mean I mean, we got burnt with Pellegrini signed into a long term deal it didn't work out had to pay a load of money to get rid of him so why go why risk the same thing David Moyes has come to the club with a need to rebuild his own reputation and he seems to have a long term plan at West Ham but I don't see why you need to commit to that it's a weird thing in football that 
people insist on having this kind of these contracts that run for four years beyond the season they're currently in. And I, I kind of get that need for stability. But at the same time, why reward the success that hasn't happened yet? So I kind of think the West Ham board seem to be managing this OK. I think David Moyes is OK with the decision. I think that the danger potentially is that and there's no doubt David Moyes is doing a good job at West Ham. And I think I'd like to see him fulfill what he sees as this long term project at the club. But the danger is that potentially another club who needs a manager comes in and offers him a better deal. But I don't know which club that would be, Matt. I'm not entirely sure Moyes' stock has risen to that kind of place yet. No, I don't think so. Um, but like you were saying, I think West Ham's board is playing it cautiously because um, like they've been bitten in the past with that, like you're saying, with Pellegrini. They don't want to start forking out more money because we all know what them uh, Gold and Sullivan are like with money. They don't really like throwing it around too much. Um, but yeah, um, the way West Ham are at the moment, there's no there's no need to start you know rushing things and stuff like that because you I mean you're doing all right in the Premier League. I'm sure you wouldn't have thought you'd be where you are now at this stage in the season, Jim. You know, um, no, not at all. I thought we get rele- I thought we were down for relegation this year. A lot of people thought that as well. A lot of people thought, but he just seems to be getting the best out of what he's got, and you know he's got a bit of um, an injury crisis in terms of strikers. And I know you was bit pretty fuming with uh, Sebastian Haller, you know, being allowed to go, especially mm. when you've they've not um, gone and replaced him. But I think if um, you know West Ham, they, they keep going where they're going. If you end up with a Europa League spot, you, that that's a successful season in my eyes, and I'm sure it is in your eyes. Um, yeah. But like you said, um, David Moyes is there. If um, another team does come along and uh, offer him a new deal, but who is going to come along? You know, he's not going to get one from the Premier League, is he? He's not going to get offered another job from the Premier League. I can't see that happening. You know, strange things do happen in football, but I can't. I just can't see any of um, any other clubs wanting him, and uh, I can see the West Ham board waiting until the end of the season and um, just seeing where they are and then going from there. Let's finish off with one final question from Daryl via Instagram. Back to Jose Mourinho. He says, will Mourinho see winning the league or the FA Cup as mission accomplished? He's not going to win the league. With Spurs, even <laughs> if it means they drop to a mid-table finish. I, I, okay, I kind of get this. question's a little bit confused. So he's saying, I think we can rule the league out. Will Mourinho see winning the FA Cup as mission accomplished with Spurs, even if it means they drop to a mid-table finish? Would fans be happy with a trophy? We've talked about this before a little bit, Ian. Will Spurs fans be happy with the style of football and the performance in the league if they do end up mid-table, if they get that FA Cup? It's a tricky one, that, isn't it? Um, I think... Hmm. I think the the Spurs fans would enjoy uh, winning the FA Cup. I'm sure that they, that that would not be lost on them, and I'm sure there will be uh, rejoicing on the streets of of Tottenham um, the night that they did win it, um, as long as it's permitted in the rules at the time. Social distancing, uh, yeah, social distancing. <laughs> um, but if Amazon are involved, there's ways around that, as Leeds found at the end of last season. Um, but anyway, um, I, I, I'm I'm not sure. I I don't think that finishing out of the European places would be um, seen as a success. Um, I don't think finishing mid-table is going to be a success. I think that you know they will be questioning perhaps what Mourinho is going to bring to the party if they are bringing to the party if that is the case because they've had other managers achieve similar league positions uh, if not better. I think maybe they'd let it go this season because this season is slightly different. But I think um, next year they would have to really kick on in the league to have it classed as any 
uh, form of success. You know, you can maybe just say this season's different because the games are coming thicker and faster and blah, blah, blah. But um, they really need to have success in the league, don't they? That's where it all comes down to. I mean, look at Liverpool. You know, Liverpool, for all their successes in cup competitions, um, it was always labelled as, you know, the, the, the team that could never win the Premier League. And now they've finally done it. It's taken a little bit of that pressure off. But, um, you know, they were always judged on their Premier League success. Yeah. And ultimately, it's about consistency, and that's what the league's about. And yeah, um, I think they need to get the uh, get certainly get closer to to winning the league to keep the Spurs fans happy with Mourinho in the long term. I don't see how Spurs fans can be happy, to, to be honest with you, because yeah. I mean, if you watch your team play, you can't be happy with having Jose Mourinho as a manager. Winning a trophy is great. I mean, I hear it's great. I haven't had that experience. But if your team is successful enough to win a trophy, I'm sure that is brilliant. But it's a one-off event. Whereas you have to watch your team play week in, week out. And I'm not sure how any Spurs fans could say the football they are playing is worth all the trophies in the world, Matt. No, it's quickly forgotten about winning a trophy. I think Roberto Mancini found that out when yeah. he uh, he came in for Man City. He won the he won the FA Cup for the no, it's our first trophy for like thirty odd years, and um, the, yeah, the, the banner came down at Old Trafford, which was nice and all that, and the fans were buzzing. But then you know the season after we um, oh not the season after it was the season after we won the Premier League after the season after we won the Premier League. You know, we have a bad run of farm and then we end up um, having a trophyless season and it's quickly forgotten then and you get the sack. So I think it's um, down to how you're doing in the league. I mean, ultimately, for a manager, obviously winning a trophy is great, like you said, but I think it all depends on your consistency in the league. You have to be consistent consistent in the league. That's how to keep your fans happy. You have to be keep doing it week in, week out in the league. Obviously, you can't win every week, but as long as you can see, you know, there's a, there's a plan there and there's, a, there's an identity of football there, that's the only way you're going to keep your fans happy. And, uh, yeah, the FA Cup would be nice for Spurs. They've not won a trophy since the League Cup in uh, 2008. They've got a chance to the League Cup this season. You know, if they win that, you know, and the FA Cup, you know, would that be considered a successful season for Tottenham? I'm sure Tottenham fans will say, you know, yeah, because winning two trophies in one season, you know, that is got that has got to be successful, a domestic double there for them. But if they don't get the top four, is it, is it going to uh, take the shine off it a little bit? I can't see Spurs getting top four, to be honest with you. Um, they've got some quality players. They need to keep hold of the likes of Son. You know, I don't think Kane's going to move. I think Kane's going to be one of them players. It's just his, his loyalty for Tottenham is just going to sort of, you know, mask over any ambition he has as a, as a player to go and win trophies for any other club. Um, they, 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 yeah, they just need to keep, they need to keep the best players. They need to um, they need to just be more consistent in the league, and that's the way they're going to keep their fans happy ultimately. I was wondering where Jose Mourinho's future lies because we talked uh, a couple of weeks ago about Jose Mourinho potentially the game passing him by and being this manager who puts success in terms of trophies and playing ugly ahead of the way a team plays, which feels like quite an outdated view at the moment. I wonder whether he'd suit international management where you kind of ride the crest of a nation's joy during a tournament in that journey to a semi-final or a final or whatever it is. And the football isn't always as important. Whereas in a league, nowadays you seem to be judged on the quality of football, potentially mm. above the results. Although, equally, I mean, if you can deliver both, that's kind of the ideal scenario, isn't it? But you see the likes of Graham Potter at Brighton, who are praised for the... And Bielsa, who are Bielsa praised leads, for yeah. the style of football over maybe what they achieve in terms of trophies. It's an interesting one for Jose Mourinho and what happens post-Spurs, which I don't think post-Spurs 
is going to be that far into the future for Jose. Uh, right, that is it for Football <laughs> Social Daily for now. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure you've clicked subscribe so you get the next episode as soon as it's ready. And if you want to find Ian's Speedway podcast that he was talking about earlier, it's called Humans of Speedway. You can find it by searching Humans of Speedway wherever you find your podcasts. Go and have a listen to that one as well if you're into your biking. Is that is that the right term, Ian? Yeah, rock and roll biking. Rock and roll biking. If you like your rock and roll biking, go and find that (laughs) podcast. Uh, Cheers, Matt. Thank you very much. No podcast to plug for Matt, but nice to have you on the podcast. Nice one, lads. And we'll see you next time for Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily is part of the Sports Social Network. Sport-social.co.uk With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.